You're listening to audio from Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, go to cbcsavannah.com. Father, we have sung the very words of Scripture. We have sung what Mary sung uh, in response to just the, the great gift of being the mother of God, to be the one who would bear Messiah. Um, and what a privilege for her as she is blessed, and what a privilege for us to sing and to know that you have come, that you have not come in obscurity and then kept it obscure. You have told the world of who you are. You have uh, shown it in your sacrifice and in your resurrection, and now we're here to worship and to, to celebrate, to, to sing with joy, to reflect on the joy that, that we have at Christmas, at Advent. I pray right now that you would um, just help me to communicate in a way that is uh, clear, that is edifying to your church, that your church, the people here would be built up, that they would love you more, that they would have more joy, that that would be the end result, not that they walk away saying, what a fun service, I love Christmas carols, but they would love Jesus, that they would, uh, by your spirit, just bear fruit. Uh, Lord, and the person that may not know Jesus is here this morning, that they would have their eyes open to truth that only you can do. And so I beg you to do that because I certainly can. I am a rebellious, fallen, broken dude who just has a great task ahead, which on my own I cannot do. So I ask you to please help me for the name of Christ and his reputation. Amen. Thanks. You guys can have a seat. All right. Man, it was like 20 degrees out this morning, and now it's like 96. Welcome to Savannah. I'm like, I got my sweater on. I take it off, but I didn't iron the shirt. I thought I'd get away with it. Now I'm like, oh. So I'm so, uh, my ego's too bad for you to see me in a wrinkly shirt, I guess. I don't know. Uh, a couple quick things before we kind of move into uh, just talking today about our, 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 our theme. Um, number one, some of you saw on the news, and I just want to bring attention to it. There was a, uh, there was a, uh, a basically a murder on 67th on Friday, so many of you saw that. It's not the first time it's happened in this neighborhood. We pray it'll be the last, but we want to be aware that, y'all, this is our community. I know you just park here, some of you, but we have folks that live in the neighborhood that worship here. We love our neighborhood, and um, when something like this happens, and we don't have a lot of information yet, um, we know there was a a 40-year-old male, and um, so just realize that I know most of us live out and we come in. You cannot ignore, we can't just come here, drive on through, and not care. That is not the gospel. And so, just be in prayer for this family. Again, no details. The the police haven't released much, and so they're still investigating. But, I mean, that's right out our back door. And that's why why Jesus has us here, right? That's why we are in this neighborhood. We want to have an impact. And if this is your church... You can't just drive in and drive out and not think about it. If it is, then you might, might need to find another church. Well, Merry Christmas. Just kidding, okay? Second thing is this. This is a little bit more positive, but just, I just, that's, that's a somber thing, y'all. I mean, that's someone that's in eternity, whether heaven or hell, we don't know right now. And so it's our job to, uh, to reach this neighborhood. Next Sunday, I don't know if you're paying attention to the announcements. Some of you do, some of you don't. If you come next Sunday morning, you will be alone, except for the other people that do not listen to the announcements. You're all going to be like sitting here like, wait, what's the church closed? No, we are doing Sunday morning on Sunday afternoon because we didn't want to have seven services next Sunday. So we're doing our Christmas Eve and our Sunday morning together. So four o'clock, six o'clock. Okay, those are kind of a normal service. They'll be a little shorter. There's childcare only at the four for those, I think, three and under. And just as kind of a side note, if you're a college student or someone who just needs a little extra Christmas cash, we're looking for about 15 folks to watch kids during that 4 o'clock service. You get $25 to, to kind of hang out with kids for an hour and a half. If that's you, come talk to me afterwards or just fill out a Connect card, drop it in, say, hey, I want to help on Christmas Eve. It's an easy 25 bucks. It's a way you can serve your church as well, um, you know, and so that's going on. So if you're a college student, you're like, I need gas money. There's gas money for you. So only, but they're only childcare at the 4. So 4, 6, and then the 11 o'clock service is not, it's just singing, uh, we're going to celebrate communion, and at midnight, we're going to sing Joy to the World, and we're going to go home and look up in the sky and see if we can see Rudolph, all right? So that's what's coming, all right? So just a heads up, if you show up next Sunday morning, you don't listen. That's all I got to say about that. All right, let's jump in. Um, that's kind of yeah, that's negative. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm not sorry that's so negative, because the reality is this. We don't need bad news. 
we, or we don't like bad news. We like good news, right? And, and, and we need good news. And, and if you watch the news, I mean, have you ever watched the 6 o'clock news? What the 6 o'clock news is, is 29 minutes of bad news. This is going on in the Middle East. This is going on in the economy. This is going on. All these negative things. And then for the last 30 seconds, what do they do? They drop on you like a, a feel-good story. I know we've just ruined your life for 29 minutes, but let me tell you about some puppies. Puppies were born in the gutter. Someone rescued them. Merry Christmas, right? And it, so, so that, the goal of that is you just listen to 29 and a half minutes of like horror, and the puppies are supposed to make things better, right? Because even they recognize you need good news. Anybody just by chance need good news? Today, we're going to talk about some good news, because I need good news. And we've been in this Advent series. We've called it Rejoice. If you're kind of new, your first time here, what we typically do on a Sunday morning is we gather and we study books of the Bible together. So we went through the Gospel of Luke last year. We did the book of Daniel last year. For Christmas this year, we're looking each week at a different Advent carol, in essence, that fits the theme of that week of Advent. So the first week when we talk about hope, we looked at a song called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. We talked about it. Last week, we talked about peace, and we looked at a song called What Child Is This? Right? And it's not that we believe that the carols are inspired. We don't. But we believe the truth behind the carols is inspired. But, but we just, just for a new thing. And the goal, remember, is, is that we are supposed to be, Christians are a singing people. Right? We are a singing people. I know that some of you are like, Rrr. but Christians are a singing people. Because it, it impacts our relationship vertically. Remember, there's a couple things we, we've been talking about every week, but I want you to grasp this. Because some of you are like, why do you guys sing so many songs on Sunday? Right? And we get complaints about that because you just teach longer. No. Our singing is important to us. Right? Because it, it impacts our vertical relationship. Because God commands us to sing. It is a way that we are showing we're filled with the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit. It is a way we show thanksgiving. And it's a way we engage this thing, our heads to our hearts. Because music... Music impacts our soul. That's what God created. I'm telling you, I was at the movie on Thursday night, and I'm sitting there and eating popcorn and milk duds and all this thing, and as soon, I mean, there was like, and I'm, I'm not lying, there was like 47 trailers before the movie, and we're like, every time, oh, oh, and finally, I mean, and everybody all of a sudden, John Williams comes on, and all the nerds like myself cheered. It was like joy to the world, but for non-Christians. <laughs> because there's something that music does, and that's the point, that we, we get our minds and our hearts connected. And so that's why it's important. It's also important horizontally, because some people need to hear the truth of God sung to them loudly. Because the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to do what? Sing loudly for all to hear. Buddy the Elf, theologian extraordinaire. All right? So that's why we're doing this. And, and the first two songs we've looked at, they've kind of had this tight theological argument that they're trying to prove a theological point. The first one, looking at the return of Christ. The second one, kind of asking this great question, what child is this? I mean, you got on one hand, this, the angels, you expect that. On the other hand, you got shepherds. And it's trying to point you to the greatness and just the mystery of the incarnation. Today's song is, doesn't have such a tightly you know, tight argument theologically. Uh, in fact, its point is not to educate, it's actually to encourage and even entertain, all right? And it actually kind of loosely tells the story, and it's okay. Again, I, we saw the movie on Thursday night. Some of you asked, I've been asked like 47 times this morning, did you see Star Wars? I'm like, do you even know me? How long have you been coming to this church? Do you even know who I am? All right? Of course we were there. All right? We got the whole row. All the boys were all, you know, half the staff were all there. But I got online afterwards just kind of looking at reviews, and I saw all these people that just like, oh, I didn't like this, and I didn't like this, and I'm like this. And they're expecting an Oscar-worthy movie. And I, in my opinion, they don't deserve to see the movie. <laughs> because you're miss if you're looking for an Oscar, you miss the point. The point is... I want to see lightsabers cutting off limbs. I want to laugh, and I want to see things get blown up. That, if I see that, that's all that matters to me. That is the point. 
right? It's not supposed to be Citizen Kane or The Godfather, which is a great movie too, right? It's supposed to be just entertaining. You missed the point. This song is supposed to encourage you and just so you get the point of the story. Not so you're like, well, you know. It wasn't written for that reason. And so we're going to talk about it. And its goal ultimately is in its chorus to bring you tidings of comfort and joy. That's the goal of the song. Right? It, and it's, it really what it wants you to do is kind of hear the story and not evaluate it, but just kind of sit back, and when that chorus comes on, tidings of comfort, to kind of with gusto, to sing tidings of comfort and joy, and just kind of join with it and enjoy it, all right? So we're going to talk about it. But first, let me talk just a, just a minute about joy, because for, as Christians, we want to know what joy is. It, it is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? So we want to at least have a grasp. Joy is an emotion, and some of you are like, oh, I need an emotion. John Piper says it's an emotion. That's good enough for me, right? But it's an emotion that comes uh, as you expect or anticipate something that God has done. As you celebrate something that God has created or revealed or whatever it is. And it's this idea, it's, it's more than happiness. Because happiness goes up and down with circumstances, right? Joy transcends circumstances. So you could translate it, the gladness of soul that comes it's, it's sourced in God. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It comes when you respond or see or expect or, or receive something God has done. And it can be common grace things or it can be specific grace things. It could be the joy you get when you just kind of walk out at Tybee and you love the beach and you just enjoy that. That can bring joy because the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. So you can experience joy there. It could be just you going to your daughter's wedding or graduation, or something, that, a good thing that God has provided this, and He has given this, and it brings joy. It could be that you're reading the Scripture, and you're realizing a truth that the Spirit quickens to your soul, and it just brings joy, gladness of soul, right? It's a, it, it is sourced in God, it is focused on God, and it comes from Him. And here's what's unfortunate for us, guys, is that when people, whether outside or inside, think of the church... Think of Christians, even think of God. They don't attribute God and joy, or Christians and joy, right? In fact, if, if, if some of you probably, if you say, if I ask you, well, do, you think, do you think God is joyful? You'd be like, no, I mean, holy, yes, and like powerful and mighty, and he's, you know, but Santa Claus is joyful. God is this, and that is a shame. And Christians who are not joyful are an embarrassment. It, it, it just it's because they are, it's an oxymoron. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and the number two, joy. And our God, our Savior, is a God of joy. And not only is He a God of joy, not only does He have joy, not only does He rejoice, but He wants His people, y'all, to be joyful, experience joy. And I, some of you are like, I don't know if I believe that. I, I don't even have time to go into it. I could, you could Google joy in the Bible, and there's over 180 uses of the word. Let me just give you a few highlights to prove to you from Scripture that God is a God of joy, that He rejoices. And so He says this, if this thing is on, maybe it is, maybe not. I can't see anymore because I'm too old. There we go. Maybe you have to do it, Danny. Huh. Yeah, you might have to do it because something's weird. So, anyway. You got it? Because I have a bunch of references I'm going to read. And if I, if I don't have the slide, you don't have it. Okay, well, just take my word for it. I have a bunch of slides that have scripture that say, actually, we can, we, you know what we can actually do? We can actually use our Bibles. It's going to take me a little longer because I can't see anymore, but let me just read a couple of them to you. Psalm 104, verse 31. I got there pretty quick. You got it? Well, look at that. See? You got to steal my joy here. All right. This is, this is a, it sounds like a prayer, but it's actually a statement where it says, the psalmist says, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. It's that God actually rejoices over those things which He has made. His creation, us, 
His work in salvation, that God rejoices. We've seen this in, in Zephaniah before. The Lord your God is in your midst. And this is a prophecy of the future, of what's going to happen in the kingdom. He is a mighty one who will save. What is he going to do? He is going to rejoice over you with gladness. Do you think of God as being glad? I mean, really. Do you think of your God as a glad God? He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Not only is he a joyful God, he is a singing God, right? Luke 15, we looked at this a couple months ago after the, the, the good Samaritan, I mean, not the good Samaritan, the prodigal son's son comes home or the lost coin, the idea that when one sinner repents, heaven has a party. There is joy in heaven. Heaven is a joyful place. It is not a place where the angels are playing the harp and it's kind of like, ooh, isn't that pretty? And we're all dressed in white and kind of slide around. It is a joyful place, the presence of God. He says, enter those who have been faithful into the joy of your master. Did you know that actually serving God is a joyful thing? It, it's supposed to be, right? It's not, it's not some burden. He says this, this, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is the hours before he is betrayed hours before he is nailed to your cross and my cross. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus' joy, may be in y'all. And not just in you, y'all, that your joy would be full. That's his desire for his people. He says a couple chapters later, I, now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. Paul, who everyone thinks is a grump, but he's really not a grump, says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy, right? The psalmist says, you make known to me the path of life and your presence where you are, God. Is God in this place? You guys are asleep. Is God in this place? Yes, he is. If his spirit is here, he is here. So in your presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures. Do you think of God in this way? I mean, this is radical, I know, because we kind of, the church, right? That's not the God of the Bible. The righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. This is the kind of Christianity that the world needs to see. A joyful God with a joyful group of people. Ours is a God of joy. Advent is a season of joy. You cannot miss joy at the birth narratives of Jesus. Elizabeth is like a thousand years old and pregnant, which no one would be joyful. 25-year-old pregnant ladies are not that joyful. A thousand-year-old women are not joyful, right? She's like way beyond birth years. She's pregnant. Mary comes into the room. Mary's just found out she's pregnant. And what happens? John the Baptist, who's like six months old in her stomach, leaps for joy. And then Elizabeth cries out with joy, who am I? that the mother of my Savior would come to me, the mother of my Lord. And then Mary cries out, my soul magnifies and rejoices. We just sung it, in God my Savior. The angels show up and say, what? With joy unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. Glory to God in the highest. There's joy. They declare the glory of God. Then the shepherds leave rejoicing after they find the baby. Then the magi, when they see the star again show up, they rejoice. It's just all over. The, the, the birth narrative of Jesus, it is all over. And this song, all it's going to do is in a simple way, tell the story again so that you would have tidings of comfort and joy. It's going to drill it into our soul. So let's look at it. It's called God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen, one of the oldest carols we have. We're going to sing the oldest carol we know of, I think, next Christmas Eve, on, on next Sunday on Christmas Eve. But this one originates somewhere in the 1500s, and the author is unknown. We have no clue who wrote it, which is awesome. Um, we do know why it was written, though. And this is, this, this is the story that resonates to me. So in the 1500s, the church, all they had in their kind of hymnal, so to speak, were depressing, dark, dreary, minor key, no one likes to sing songs, right? You ever been in that church? Some of you have been in that church, right? Everything's minor, and you're like, what? This was, I don't understand. That's the music of the 1500s. And not only that, the songs were all in Latin. 
So the average dude shows up to church, he can't even read English, and they're singing in Latin, and it's just like, oh. They hated the music. They didn't understand the music. But they had no power to change because they, they were laity and the clergy had all the power. So the way they kind of, the peasant kind of stuck it to the, the man was they wrote songs themselves outside of the church. And they made them to lively tunes and they kept them simple. They just were simple, simple songs. And they put it to their own like kind of rock and roll music, right? That's kind of the music of the day. And they would play them in taverns and Baptist cover ears. They'd even dance to them. <laughs> Wicked. Wicked people. It was basically, in, in, my, in my vernacular, it was songs written by PE teachers for PE teachers. Simple. I mean, there are Christmas carols that you'd find in, you know, Clifford the Big Red Dog book. Like, you know, you know, it's designed to be lively. And so the music was lively and the people would clap and cheer. And, and it was just their way to celebrate the simplicity of the message of the gospel. And this song was written in that way. And it was passed down from generation to generation until finally... Queen Victoria, it became like the favorite of England. This song was like one of the favorite songs in England. And Queen Victoria, who loved her some Christmas carols, put it in print. And to this day, it's still one of the most popular. And you see it in all the old, you know, uh, it's in the Dickens. And you see, you know, Bing Crosby and all these guys have been singing it for years. But it's just simple. Simple. It just tells a simple story that's supposed to bring you joy. So let's look at it. God rest ye merry. This is probably the only thing in the, in the whole song that's not simple, is the first line. It is the mis, most misunderstood line probably in, in Christmas carol history, okay? And it's the title. And here's why. There's two reasons. Number one, the punctuation. Number two, English language of changes. Most of you sing this song me, like this with the punctuation, God rest you, you merry gentlemen, right? The idea that you guys have been way too rowdy, you merry gentlemen, so you need to get chill out. You've been down on, you know, Broughton Street way too late celebrating Christmas, had one too many eggnogs. So just chill out, merry gentlemen. That is not the punctuation that the song is supposed to be. It's supposed to be this. God rest you merry, gentlemen or gentle ladies. Doesn't help you much. Why? Because the English language has changed in 400 years. So there's a couple things we have to define. Number one, rest. The word rest in the 15, 1600s does not mean take a nap. Go take a nap, gentlemen. No, it means to make or to keep. So the idea would be God keep you or God make you. And the word marry, that's the big challenge, right? And it's very similar to what it sounds like. But here's, here's the problem. If some of you go home and Google, you know, God rest you merry gentlemen, you're going to read some good Christian blog but written by someone who, who did a little kind of shallow research and they'll say something like, well, the word marry literally means mighty. Right? So, like Robin Hood's merry men really meant Robin Hood's mighty men. And, and it makes for great preaching and great, like, yeah, it really means God make you strong, gentlemen. That's not what it means. Uh, it would be nice if it would. I, I did more research in the English language this week than I have since English 101, and I didn't even do a lot back then. But I found no, not one instance in all the old English dictionaries. I'm talking Oxford and all these crazy things that I couldn't even understand hardly. But never once is this word Mary used for mighty. But what it is used for is an idiom. This phrase, rest you, rest you Mary, is an idiom. You see it in Shakespeare and all sorts of other writings from the 1500s, 1600s, which just means to be joyful. That, that it's a, it's a, it was actually a common salutation of the day that people like the commoners, as they walked down the road and they saw someone, they would say, rest you merry, rest you merry, which just means basically God give you joy or God bless you or God grant you happiness, all right? It was just a, a nice phrase of well-wishing. And so the idea when it starts off this song is this, may God make you joyful, folks. May God bring you gladness of soul, right? That's the heart of what he's saying. So it's not chill out, you merry gentlemen, and it's not go take a nap. It's may God grant you joy. May God grant you happiness. Why? The song tells us. Don't be dismayed. Be joyful. Why? Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Now, this is where the story gets a little loose. Was Jesus born on December 25th? He had a 1 in 365 chance of being born on December 25th. Okay. <laughs> 
We do not know the actual day of the birth of Christ. Right? They didn't have a December in the Hebrew calendar. It was the month of Kislev. We have no clue. But that's not the point of the song. The point of the song is be joyful. Why? Remember your Savior, the Messiah, was born on Christmas Day. Why was he born? The song tells us to save us from Satan's power when we had gone astray. All we like sheep had gone astray. Each one had turned to his own way, Isaiah 53 says. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You were under Satan's power. You were actually a child of the devil. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what Paul says. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you walked. You were following the course of this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. You were carrying out the desires of your body and the mind. You were like children of wrath. That's what you were. And God saved you from it. Church, I know we talk about this all the time, but I want you to think about this. Who in their right mind ever loves their enemies? How many of you are loving ISIS? How many of you are praying for, for the person that wounded you? How many of us really love our enemies, those people who have hurt us? Who does that? Who cares and goes after those who have run away? I mean, if my dog Milton runs away, I'm going to be like, unfortunately, he has a chip, so probably he'll end up coming back to us. <laughs> but I'd be like, so long, right? Who goes after their enemy? None of us do. But God does. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. When you think about, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power. What, what the song is pointing you to is that God was rich in mercy. That God loved you with a love that is so great that God has made you alive together with Christ, that God by His grace has saved you. Y'all, and, and if, you're, if you're kind of a non-Christian here and, or maybe you're, you, know, you kind of are searching, you need to understand that Christianity is the only faith in all the world where God actually experiences suffering, where God actually becomes man and dies in our place, in our substitute. Every other religion is, what can you do for God? What can you do for God? Earn his favor, earn his favor, do this, pray, pray, pray. Christianity is, you can't do anything. You are dead and broken, and God actually does it all. He actually becomes a man. He experiences being re rebelled against. He experiences abandonment by friends. He experiences excruciating death on a cross. He comes to us. So when you say, remember Christ our Savior, that's what you're remembering. He saved you from the power of, of the evil one. Can you f find it in your heart to have any tidings of comfort and joy in that? I mean, really, how good is God that he loves his enemies? I mean, that's tidings of comfort and joy. Second verse just kind of recaps the story. We've looked at it the last couple weeks. From God our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Just a couple things from this verse that kind of resonate with me as I thought about it. Number one, that he calls God our Father. And I know you, if you've been in the church a long time, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get that, Father in heaven, hallowed be that. Do you realize how radical it is to be able to call the God of the universe your dad? I mean, I got four kids. I love you guys, but my love for them, <laughs> as much as I love y'all, don't fire me, I love them more. My, you guys are I love, they are my beloved. I mean, they're my, this is my three boys and my precious daughter, and if you want to date her, you're wrong. <laughs> you better come to me, and I got guns, lots of them, <laughs> and I ain't lying. I mean, these are my, they call me dad. There's a special, and, and here's, y'all, 
we don't think about this. You, according to Paul, we just read it, you were a child of wrath. Your last name was wrath. God says, that's a bad last name. I'm going to change it to child of God. Think about that. You are under his condemnation. You are under his, his wrath. And so what does he do? He pours his wrath out on his son so that you could be called a child of God. See what kind of love the Father has to, for us? That we should be called children of God? Children of God? Are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Man, there's no way I should be called child of God. That's, that's what it means to call him your heavenly father, right? And it says, another thing that highlights me, it says, he just reminds us, he's born in Bethlehem. And I know that that's like, yeah, we know that he's born in Bethlehem. Do you realize that's just one of hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfills? That, that starting in Genesis 3, the first promise of a Messiah after Adam and Eve rebelled, that God said that the seed of a woman... Right? Not the seed of a man, which is the typical phraseology. The seed of a woman would crush the head of the serpent. That's Jesus. And a couple hundred years later, a thousand years later, he makes a promise to a man named Abraham that you will be the father of many nations. You'll be the father of the faithful. And that you're, you're going to have a son even though you're like 97 years old and you can't have kids anymore. And so he has a son named Isaac who has a son named Jacob whose name is changed to Israel who has 12 sons. One of them is named Judah who's going to have a son named David. And there's going to be one from David who will be the Messiah. And that he'll be born in a city called Bethlehem, which is not a big old city. It's a little country town like Bloomingdale, right? That no one, you know, is like Bloomingdale. Yeah, yeah, Bloomingdale. These kind of drive through. That's Bethlehem. But there was a prophecy. Micah 5, 2. He would be born in Bethlehem. There will be a star. She would be a virgin. Everything he did, he fulfilled. Every single promise, right? And I'm just reminded as I sing about Bethlehem and as I sing about this, that God, our Heavenly Father, never, you know, he never lies. How many of you got kids? You got kids? How many of your kids lie? <laughs> My kids. How many of you? I'm a liar. I've lied. You've lied. Right? God never lies. He never lies. He never over-exaggerates. He never over-promises and under-delivers. Never. In fact, if anything else, he's, he's over-delivered and over-promised to people who are his enemies. And he said, Bethlehem, boom. And if everything he said, this is why Advent is so important for us. If everything he said come true, the first Advent, boom. Just like he said, what's going to happen to the second one? Absolutely like he said. Y'all, God is not so slow about his promise as some counsel in us. Peter said he is patient with us, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He will return. He said it. I believe it. This reminds me of it. He is the Son of God, right? The Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. He is the perfect one, the Messiah. Verse 3 goes into our angels, right? We looked at them last week a little bit. But just, you know, they show up, they scare the wits out of the shepherds, and they say, fear not. We don't bring scary news, we bring what? Good news. So let nothing you affright. What's the good news? This day is born a Savior of a pure virgin bright. And why was he born? Again, he highlights what he did in verse 1. To free all those who trust in him. I love that the line, that you have to trust in him. Unto you is born this day a Savior is Christ the Lord. He is a Savior for all, but only those who trust in him get the effects of his saving. Have you trusted him? Big question, right? He came to save from Satan's power. He came to free. We use this language a lot. Because Jesus used it. He says this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is right in the beginning of his ministry. Because he has anointed me to what? Proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, that's freedom, to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He did so by disarming the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. This is the demons and Satan. He came to set us free. Are you free? I mean, free from sin, free from condemnation, free from fear of a future, free, free from fear of wondering, does, does my life matter? Fear from aimlessness, free from hopelessness, fear from, from wondering if I'm good enough. He is, the Son has come and set us free, and those who are free are free indeed. 
That's why he came. And ultimately to free you from the power and the penalty and the very presence of your own sin. That's what he came for. Can you find any tidings of comfort and joy? If you can't, you can't breathe. Last verse. I like this verse. He's yelling at you now, whoever he is, whoever wrote it, or she, for that matter. So now it's kind of the response. All right, you heard the angels. You heard, I mean, it's very, again, very simple story. There's not a lot of depth there. You're not going into the Magi and all these things. He just kind of closes out by saying, now, to the Lord sing praises, all you within his place. He's telling you, you in the back. I saw you not singing. You sing. You in the balcony. I know you're lip syncing. You sing. He's just telling you, everybody here, you best be singing because look what we're singing about. It's just an encouragement to everyone. It sounds very much like the psalmist. I mean, you can go through the psalm. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation. Those who have salvation sing. That's the psalms. So he's just saying what the psalmist saying. Now to the Lord, sing praises. Connect your mind and your heart. Sing to each other. Sing to the Lord. Be thankful. Be filled with your spirit. Right? That, that's the idea. And then I love this. You do that. Second response is, and get along. And with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace. I just love, I love that line. And here's why. And I see a lot of this in the church, and this is me too. But I see a lot of people who are spiritual. They pray. They journal. They read their Bibles. They memorize scripture. They do all these things, right? And they get all excited about this. But then when this one person over here does something wrong to them or hurts them, they do not release. So they're on one hand, they're like, oh, I love Jesus. Merry Christmas. Away in a manger. And I hate that guy. Let's go celebrate the birth of Christ. Hark the herald angels sing. Burn his brain out over there. And there's this disconnect with that Jesus came to forgive, and then we don't forgive. And look, I know that you have, look, I have been hurt. I have been wounded. I have been wronged, and I have done it intentionally and unintentionally. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. That is very real. That is what we do. That is why Paul, how many times in the New Testament has to say, love one another, forgive one another, release one another, forgive one. I mean, if, if we got it easily, it'd be like one time. Yeah, just remember to forgive, but that's easy because y'all are Christians. So you've been forgiven, of course, you're going to forgive. It's constant. It's constant. It's constant. And I mean, let me just be very direct. It is hypocritical for you to say, isn't it great Christmas joy to the world? Jesus forgave my sins. Isn't that great? And for you to go out and not release other people. It is hypocritical. It just is. And I, I love to encourage you to go back to Matthew 18 and read the parable there where Jesus talks about this guy who owes billions and billions of dollars and the king forgives him and then he goes out and his buddy owes him like 40 grand and he won't forgive them of that. He says, that's what we are like when we don't release and we don't forgive and we don't love each other. And I know that's hard. Family is hard. Like, y'all are about to go into it. I mean, next week you're going to see mom and dad and in-laws and cousins and you're going to out act as pagan as probably, you know, it'll be the least Christian thing you've done. Right? You got all, it's, it's, it's hard. Family is hard because you know family and you see all their flaws and you can't miss them. And that, Christian, is the point. Because whatever they've done to you, and I'm not saying there's been some valid, legit things that have been hurtful and disappointing and betrayal. I get it. But you know what they never did to you? You know one thing they never did to you? They never nailed you to a cross when you were innocent, right? They never did that to you. And Jesus forgives. And you say, well, I'm not God. Of course, Jesus does. He's God. Yeah, you're not God. But you know what you have? You have the spirit of Jesus inside of you if you're a Christian. So you can't walk away and say, well, I can't do that because I'm not God. Well, do you have his spirit? Because his spirit is in you, then you can do what he did. That's the point. So he says, embrace that means some of y'all that are like, you're not huggers, y'all need to start hugging. 
Now, you can do the old side hug if you want first. You kind of the weird little, you know, oh, there you go, okay. But, hey, he says, love each other. And, and again, big picture, y'all. If God takes his enemies and makes them his children, what do we do? Right? What do you do? And he closes this holy tide of Christmas, all others duff the face. That's kind of another hard, you know, old English. The idea is not, yeah, see, even more, there was Christmas wars back in the 1500s, man, the consumerism of Walmart, and yeah, everyone's defacing Christmas. That's not the idea. The idea is that compared to Christmas, everything else is defaced. All of the celebrations, all of the festivals, they're, they're nothing compared to this Christmas that we celebrate. Tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. That's the goal. It's very simple, isn't it? It's very simple. And, and, and let me say this. I just, I just want to give you a couple quick thoughts, and then we'll move to singing the song and others. Um, I realize that Christmas, Christmas is like a magnifying glass. If you're doing well, I mean, you got the Christmas bonus, you got the promotion, you got in the med school, you're dating the perfect person, which doesn't exist. Just get him to know him a little bit better. He won't be perfect anymore. Uh, whatever it is, you, you, you know, you're, you found out you're pregnant. Things are going well. You're going to the mountains to ski for Christmas. Then there's some, Christmas has a way of kind of like magnifying that, doesn't it? It's like, yes, it's the best time of year. I got two weeks off. But if you're not doing well, and some of us aren't, Christmas puts a magnifying glass on that too, right? Because this is the first Christmas without mom. This is the first Christmas where we weren't able to go anywhere because it's a bad year, I mean, financially, or, you know, there's not as many gifts under the tree, or, yeah, we celebrate Christmas on the 25th, and then I have chemo on the 27th, right? Or, uh, you know, I, I thought that we would have little ones running around by now. We've been married six years, and we thought we'd be having gifts and onesies and Legos, and there's nobody. What, for whatever reason. It's a magnifying glass. So I just want to give us some encouragement. Because some of you are like, yes, yeah, Christmas. And some of you are like, I just want to get through Christmas. And I get that too. All right? So just a couple quick encouragements for all of us. Because we, we're family. Right? And we want to embrace each other. We want to love each other. We want to encourage. Here's the first thing. Is, is just this Christmas, focus on what matters. Right? You can't change what's broke. You can't change what's missing. You can't change what this, this happened, this. You can't control that. But that does not mean you cannot have joy. Right? Because Paul, I mean, because James, the half-brother of Jesus, says you are to consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Right? So how do you do that? Well, you, you focus on those things which matter. The, the most simplistic of that is what we talked about, that unto you a child is born. And when you hear, see you, don't think y'all, think you. Unto Bill a son was given. It was, it was a savior for me. Our God is a personal God. Yes, he saves multiple people, but he saved me. He loved me. Before y'all, if you're a Christian, before the foundation of the world, your name was written in his book. Before eternity... Before eternity past began, you were on his heart. Doesn't that flabbergast you? That your entire life, he knows the number of your days. He knows how many tears you will shed. He knows how many hairs are on your head at any given time, which for some of you is not so hard. Like four. But th that is our God. And focus on his sovereignty and on his faithfulness and on his love. He has not forgotten you. He is your Father. Take some time to, to think of the good gifts. Because I know when you're thinking about all, all that's wrong and how much money you ha don't have and blah, 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 it's easy to focus on the negative. Look at the good gifts, the common graces that God has. You have a house. Maybe you have a spouse. You have kids. Maybe, you know, maybe they're not perfect kids, but there are no perfect kids. You, you, you live in a beautiful city. Just write these things out. Put them down on paper so you can see them. Because the enemy wants to remind you what you don't have, and you need to go back to the fact that, no, you have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Maybe you could, one real practical thing for some of us, I think it would be super helpful for some of y'all, maybe you could step away from social media for a couple weeks. Number one, because you post stuff that's just like ridiculous, like cats and trees or something. But, but number two, because it can be depressing for some of you. Because you look at the 
you know, your friend up the street's house, and it looks like Martha Stewart's house inside. And yours looks like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And it could be like, oh, man, we don't get, look at their family. Or you know the worst, and I, I tell you this every year, is the Christmas cards, right? You know the one where everyone spends multiple hours fighting to get. And you get it, and everyone, oh, man, our family is so miserable. Look at them. They're all in the Swiss Alps, even with their cat. Their cat's in the Swiss Alps, too. And how do they get their cat to the Alps? And you're like, look at us. We can't even get it at the end of church. A picture of everyone's all eyes closed and drooling and the kids' shirts untucked. Why is our family such a mess? It's depressing. So stay away from it. Right? Don't, don't find yourself... All those pictures, I know, I've done them. They're fake. Y'all are fake, all of y'all. <laughs> Send us the real one. Right? That's one out of 96. Send us the other 90, 95. Let me see them. I want to see what they really look like. Because, you know, kids punching each other in the side of the head, dogs biting cats. That's how it really is. Enjoy the simple things that God has given. Right? We don't enjoy the common graces of God that He has given to us. Simple things like going downtown and walking in the kind of cool of the evening and looking at Christmas lights or, you know, Go make some hot chocolate with your kids with marshmallows and watch Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life. Those are great little common graces. Or Elf, great common grace, right? Maybe go, make sure you have good music on around you. Music, again, it, 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 it's something about music that, that stirs the soul. So listen to great Christmas carols or, or read good books. They're going to edify you and build you up. Right, go, you know, here, here's something some of y'all could do. Get some of your friends and go out and do some Christmas caroling. I know that's kind of 1950s. We've done it the last couple years. It's a blast. I ain't gonna lie. Now, I don't know if people have got flasks in their jackets. I'm not gonna ask questions, right? But I enjoyed it myself. We're decking the halls and harking the heralds and angels we had sung. It's a great time. People are shocked when you do it. They come out and they clap and they're thankful and it's awesome. But just focus on what matters. Focus on what matters, right? Maybe you ought to change your traditions. If these traditions remind you of how depressing, oh, yeah, yeah, then change them. It's okay. You don't have to keep the same thing you've been doing since 1937. Change it up. Keep it simple. Focus on what matters. God became a man so that you could go to heaven with him forever. That's what matters. Second thing is this. Be contagious. Be like the walking dead, but not dead. Like, but joyful. There is something, the way God has created us to reflect His image, that you have a capacity, y'all, it is a great capacity to bring other people joy. Did you know that? That you can actually bring other people joy. It's very biblical. So Paul, writing to his buddy Philemon, Paul is in prison for being a Christian. And he writes to his buddy and says, you bring me joy. He writes to the Thessalonian church, you are my joy and my glory. John writes to the churches, I get no greater joy than hearing about my children walking in the truth. You have the capacity to bring or to try to steal joy from others. I just say we should just be, a we should be contagious, our joy, especially considering there's some in here that are fighting for it, and you need to help them, right? When you show up at work and you're like, Yes, and you're smiling and you're doing a good job and you're just joyful. Or maybe you go and serve, you know, at, at the homeless shelter downtown and bring some joy to some other people or buy some presents for someone that maybe not have it. I don't know, but look to be contagious. Look for opportunities. Look outside of yourself. Invite the people up the street that are annoying to your Christmas party. Bring presents to somebody. I don't know, but look for opportunity to be contagious, y'all. That's what Christians do. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Surround yourself with people who are joyful. And last thing real quick is be strong. Get strong. Joy is like a spiritual steroid. Do you know that? It is a spiritual steroid. There's this great scene in the book of Nehemiah. And, and if you're not familiar with Nehemiah, the, the, the city of Jerusalem is ruined. He's building a wall so they can start building a temple again. It's been destroyed. Everyone's depressed and so the priest named Ezra stands up. He starts reading the Bible that they haven't read in years. And everyone starts crying. Oh, there's such a bad people. What have we done? The city's blown up. Oh, it's awful. 
and Nehemiah stands up. I love it. He says, go your way. Eat the fat. Drink sweet wine. He's saying, celebrate. Stop. The past is the past. Yes, we did this. We were bad. It's over. God has redeemed it. Here we are now. So you celebrate, send portions to anyone who has nothing. Why? This day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. And I love the last statement. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a spiritual steroid. When you get your joy in the Lord, if your joy is in your Lord, it's not in if, you're, if Georgia wins or loses, your football team wins or loses. It's not in how much money you have. It's not in your job. It's not in your life. If your joy is in the Lord, who can steal your joy? Because they, they can take your job away. They can take your money away. They can take your health away. They can take your girlfriend away. They can kill your dog. They can do whatever. They can never take your God away. So if the joy of the Lord, if your joy is in the Lord, then, then you'll never lose it. And you'll be strong. And you'll be able to endure, because just like Jesus, who endured the cross, despising the shame. How? For the joy set before him. So just over this week, two weeks, you have, some of you have off a couple days. Man, cultivate your relationship with your, with your Savior. If you haven't read Scripture in a while, you haven't prayed in a while, draw, near, draw back near to God, and He will draw near to you. The, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It makes us strong. It makes us who we're supposed to be. It makes us contagious. Tidings of comfort and joy. We want to be a contagious church, y'all. So we've said from a long time, it is not about us driving in from our little houses wherever and going and going out. You are to spread the joy of the Lord. That is our job, right? That is our job. Let's stand. Let's worship. Let's sing. And remember that last, wor- that last song now, all right? To you all in this place, sing praises, right? You're not allowed to leave unless you have to go to the bathroom really, really bad or get your kids, right? But we want us to sing and respond. The people of God who have experienced the salvation of God rejoice to their God, right? Let me pray. Father God, I ask that you would just help us to reflect the fact that you are a joyful God, that you bring joy, that you desire joy, that we can experience joy in you we need you to do that. It's your gift to us as we respond to truth. And so I just pray you'll help us. I pray for the person in this room that there's guilt and there's shame and that there's hiding, that they could, they could know that there was a Savior who paid the penalty of their sin and who rose again so that they could experience life and life abundant. Make us joyful. Even in, even in hard times, Lord, let us consider it joy. For your name's sake, I pray. Amen.